We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host, the partner in crime for our Sunday evenings. Former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. It is the day after the preseason debut. And Mike, you know what? I think after watching that game, I'm just going to go jump off a cliff and cry in a corner and all kinds of things because, oh no, our season's over. What are we going to do? <laughs> 
Well, I guess we better get some tents and lawn chairs and, and get a couple uh, <laughs> gallons of iced tea and make it a, a, a day because, yeah, seems a little <laughs> bit of panic out there. <laughs> My gosh. I have to chuckle. And for those who understand here, what a panic freak out by quite a few folks on social media, especially in, in Facebook. I saw a lot of that. Even a couple of the, of the folks that uh, are normally very level-headed kind of freaked out at the whole idea. Oh, the Rams only scored three points again, just with Super Bowl. Dude, it's preseason. It's preseason. They didn't play a start. We're going to get into that, guys. But first, Mike, how you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm doing really well, man. But it's uh, so interesting as, as things are lining up for the NFL season, things are lining up for the high school season as well. We'll have our first uh, scrimmage here on Thursday. So we had a little inner squad scrimmage last friday got to see the pads cracking a little bit so we're excited as well so man we're ready to get into it today so quick drillers question i know there's some folks who don't want to hear about the drillers but i just have to ask you're installing a new offense out there this year how's it working out this far is it coming along oh it's coming along real great we got some talented young men who are going to be able to to make some plays on offensive uh i feel wholeheartedly that uh I'm starting on defense with a 21 nothing lead, so uh, we feel we got a great chance to score a lot of points this year. So it's on me to make sure we can keep them down. Well, there you go. That's that's some pretty big confidence, man. First-year head coach at your alma mater, and you're saying, wow, I got my 21 nothing lead, all right. That's some confidence, man. <laughs> hey, man, you got you got to believe in yourself. I mean, I told the fellas we, we go away. Uh, our first road game after the scrimmage, and I said, hey, if you're not ready to go on this bus and you're ready to get a win, then, then come down with a cramp or a sore stomach or upset stomach or something. Just don't get on the bus. <laughs> don't get on the bus. should be the, the quote for any sport. If you aren't ready to do it, just don't get on the bus. Always That's it. <laughs> All right, folks. This episode is sponsored by Jim Hawk and his book, Hollywood's Team. We also want to remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and, of course, Apple Music. We would really appreciate, if you could, subscribe anywhere you listen to our show. But especially if you are on Apple Music, a five-star review would be deeply appreciated. We actually have a contest underway right now for those five-star reviews. Once we get the 200 five-star reviews, one lucky winner will receive a $75 gift to NFLShop.com. And this is how it works. Head on over to Apple Music. Leave a five-star review and send us an email to ramstalk1945 at gmail.com with a copy of your entry, a screenshot of your entry, just showing us who this entry is for. And also, if it's verbal, we will read it on the air. We will Again, I'll say it again. We will read it on the air. I promise. It'll be done. It'll be done. Also, we are giving away tickets. And it kind of blows my mind. I think it's because we got lost in the whole preseason getting underway thing. But... Our sponsor has been kind enough to provide us some tickets to the Rams-Broncos preseason game. Seriously, this contest ends in two days. All you have to do is head on over to our Twitter page, it's at TalkRams, and retweet the top pinned profile tweet, which is basically tweeting out our iTunes profile. That's all it is, okay? And... That'll enter you in. I can see who the tweeters are, and you will be in there as well. Okay, so there you go. Those over contests. It's time to get into the content. 
couple small things. Dom is still in the hospital. He'll be there for a few more days. So if you have the ability, again, please consider donating to his funds or trying to help take care of him. And um, again, even I can tell you certain bigwigs have even set up to try and at least do something nice for him. It's been very nice to see support across Rams Nation for a really great guy. And uh, thank you. Thank you, all of you, for that. And, of course, the Rams and Center t-shirts are out there. Contact Ram Tommy in L.A. on Twitter. On Facebook, it's Tommy Avance, uh, co-host on Rams Uncensored, and he also does some hosting here with me for the midweek Rams Talk radio show. Okay, now all that's out of the way. It's all done. And we can talk a little bit about this first preseason game. And, you know, usually... I'm going to kind of pick on Mike a little bit here. Usually I do most of the show planning and I will come up with all the ideas here and Mike just kind of moseys on in and does his thing and, and then he goes on about his day. I got to give him a little bit, of, a little bit, he's laughing over there, a little bit of, you know, tweak him a little bit for that. But I actually say, hey, Mike, you got some ideas, throw it in there. And the first thing he posted for our show planning ideas was actually a pretty stinking good one. And it's something that we really need to address. I think we've seen it time and time again addressed by some of the experts out there. But you know what? Mike actually played the game. So who better an expert than the guy who played the game? And the question he poses, are preseason snaps for veterans and first stringers necessary? especially given what the Rams do now, which is avoid that stuff at all possible. So, Mike, you posed the question. You put it in there. Go. Yeah, I mean, the question for myself, again, maybe I'm dating myself and things like that, but, you know, I understand the idea of of getting to the season as healthy as possible, but I guess it's, it's in whoever's planning on what, situation actually works out best typically uh well back in the day first game starters veterans would play a quarter second game they will play into the second quarter game they would play a little into the third and then it was rookies on in the fourth game they might play a series and then sit down and then get ready for the season you know the way they go at it now i mean guys are literally not playing like at all so it's always curious to me to see, you know, we saw a lot of young guys playing yesterday, of course, and I think it showed, you know, my son and I were talking, just guys lining up in the right place. It just seemed like, you know, some stuff was just like, what are you guys doing? So I'm always curious to see that fine line between playing or not playing. So, yeah, what's your thought? My thought is it really varies on two things, the depth of a roster. In other words, if you were a team that went 2-14 and 14 last year and you're reloading with a brand new core and bringing new players in, I'm guessing you probably need more reps and you want more time in a preseason game. If you are a team that already has a core that's just adding a few players that's still pretty young and you want to keep those guys young, i.e. the Rams, it's probably a good idea to limit as much contact as humanly possible. That's how I view it. But things have changed a little bit, and they mentioned it during the broadcast last night. And I don't think they were doing this as much when you played. Maybe you can correct me on this. But the Rams worked out with two different teams during camp, the Chargers and the Raiders. They got a lot of first-team work in during those scrimmages and trainings, but they also didn't hit at least much. They did some hitting, but not much. Like, Todd Gurley took some hits. 
during these scrimmages. Was that something that went on when you were playing? Yeah, we had some some games, but I don't remember us doing two teams within one camp. It's usually one, and typically with the Rams, we we would go down and or the Chargers would come up, and we go against them, play them in the preseason, and then a lot of times we played them in the season. So sometimes it was like a two, sometimes three game that we end up playing them, and it's like, man, we're tired of seeing those guys. And even when that was the case, like when you were with the Dolphins at the end. Yeah, the Dolphins, we, we definitely uh, did it as well. You know, one year I know it was uh, the Washington Redskins, and uh, but we definitely did it. That was kind of the norm then you would look forward to it. But, I mean, I didn't really like those practices because they were supposed to be somewhat toned back. But there was always like two or three fights every practice because everybody, whether it was a drill, whether it was an inside run drill, there was always somebody trying to get the upper hand, so it was just kind of a, a, a fight fest. So sometimes it just seemed like it was a waste of time. Do you think that's the case now today with veterans not playing really in preseason games much at all? Well, I think now that because there's so much emphasis on how much you can hit, how many days, and things like that, uh, you know, you got to remember my day, we would go two weeks, rookie camp, double days, and then we would go four solid weeks of double days again. So by the time it was over, you're six, six weeks of double days. Now you don't even really have double days and, and the practice time is pretty much cut in half. So a lot of it is the preseason games are really a lot of the only hitting that teams are really getting these days. Let me ask this question, because you mentioned a lot of other things you would do, especially the two-a-days, the six weeks of camp. And, I mean, really, these guys just jumped into camp in late July, and they're already playing their second in a couple teams, I think. It is. There's a couple of them are playing their second preseason game because of the Hall of Fame game last week, and the Rams are in their first game. They've already had two teams they've worked with in camp this year. How has... I'm trying to frame it right because I'm not I know that it's a sensitive subject. How has the threat of say CTE or other traumatic injuries played a role in the changing of camp from when you played to now? Well, there's no doubt there's a lot less hitting in camp than it was in our day. Me and a buddy we were talking the other day about I mean, we used to get after it not just for two-a-days, but it was the special teams were live. I mean, it was run drill every day. And it was literally survival of the fittest. That's what you felt like. And so I think they, they've they become wise. I mean, back in the day, we were really always just a little bit taken back by the 49ers and how they practiced. But they took the pads off early. They did very little hitting, and they just seemed to always be fresh. And you can see the number of championships that they won doing it that way. So I think that was probably a model that was built upon that a lot of current teams in the NFL is using now that somewhat proves that you don't need to be out there banging as much, just need to get into position. And, you know, a guy at that level, when the bullets are live, as we say, in a real game, you know, he's going to be able to make that tackle nine times out of ten. What about the need for actual in-game reps, though? Like, in offenses, like the way Sean McVay works, even the way Wade Phillips runs a defense, don't you need to have some sort of contact to be able to get in that mode for the regular season? I mean, if you spent the entire preseason 
running a route and basically being unimpeded in those routes or running a a trap left, a trap right, you know, an ISO or any of those plays without actually getting hit and getting real deal contact, wouldn't that be a detriment when the season starts? Well, exactly. That's why I polled the question in the sense of really where's the balance on getting enough that your timing is accurate. So now when that first season you're not trying to catch up and you're all rusty for three or four quarters and then you end up losing the game because it's like you're getting the ring rust off. You know, when you typically we, we would figure it takes you three to four weeks to get your timing down. And so you can imagine even with all the hitting that we somewhat did back then, it still was that three or four week to really get your timing down on being able to go full speed you know, be in position for cutbacks and different things like that so that you're not making or missing a whole lot of tackles or drop balls and things like that. So that's what I'm saying. It's just going to be interesting to see how most of these teams do because a lot of teams are trying to practice more efficiently, less contact, and trying to be as fresh as they can for the season. But I I have to believe it's going to have some negative effects for a number of teams in regards to timing. I just look back at Week one last year, and I've mentioned before, the Rams came out flat against the Raiders. They were able to pull it together in the second half, but a team like Carolina in week one that is much more prepared, they have a running quarterback, a guy who can make plays, they have an improved pass rush. That to me becomes a trap game if the Rams are as rusty than as they were then. And that would be a concern to me. We don't want to see this team go out there and lose a game that they probably should win because their guys weren't ready. Oh, absolutely. And and therein lies where is ultimately the balance on finding out for your team. So my I would imagine the Rams are relying more because they have a number of veterans who know how to get ready know how to play so you're gonna need less of it but everyone needs you know a certain number of reps and that is going to be the question how many is enough how many is too many and finding that balance i don't know that there's really any situation that you can determine like okay if we practice and maybe you get 10 live reps that's going to do it yeah i don't know so it'll be interesting to see how the rams come out to shoot uh game one so then what's your gut feeling about Brian Allen and Joe Noteboom not actually playing in this game last night? They sat with the rest of the starters. Absolutely. You know, I would have liked to see those guys at least get a series, maybe two, just so, you know, you're getting your footwork down. They'll be fine on a lot of the pass. I mean, the run blocking things. It's going to be the pass blocking things that where the rust will really show. The run blocking, you're just kind of getting off the ball and you're going to get a guy. But the pass blocking, you now have to set. You're switching depending on who's coming in your gap on your shoulder, who, you know, what stunt the defense is running. So that's where timing becomes hey, that guy, get him. I got him. Things like that. You only get that in live recognition. So, yeah, I'd love to see those guys at least get a series or two. But it also says a lot that they didn't play. I mean, it, to me, it would tell me that they've seen enough in these scrimmages and in just normal camp days in and day out practices that yeah, they and, trust where these guys are. 
Yeah, they trust him, but they may also say, man, our guys got a little more banged up than we anticipated with these joint practices. So I hope it's more of what you're saying, just giving those guys, hey, man, these guys have worked hard. Their timing is looking really good, uh, as opposed to, yeah, we really have to rest these guys because they got a little more banged up in these joint practices than we anticipated. Man, I hope it's the first one. (laughs) Jeez, I really hope it's the first one. Good grief. All right, the game itself, 14-3, Rams lose at Oakland. It might be the last time you will ever hear us say those words, at Oakland, depending on next preseason. But I guess we can be glad that part's over. It's a hard, To me, Mike, it was a game that was hard for me to evaluate. There were certainly some positives. I felt that John Wolford, this third-string quarterback, played very well coming in the fourth quarter with an offense that hadn't done anything all day. I, I liked him in the AF, by the way. I liked some of the, the moxie he showed then. And also Blake Bortle, I thought, did fine, which would sound kind of weird because his numbers didn't show. But he had several, several drops, several plays where he made nice moves in the pocket, a little more, shall I say, heady about how he was functioning there. And I think it was a good start for him offensively. Drops, though, man. Drops in that first half, penalties. It was it was ugly. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what we're we're somewhat circling the wagons on, the timing, the reps, the live reps. Because what happens is the level of play intensifies, and everything becomes so much quicker. So you're looking at guys that are trying to make plays, nervousness. You know, other guys are like, wow, this speed is a lot different than college. Uh, trying to catch up to that. And then some guys, you know, they're still trying to get somewhat in shape uh, because that can affect you mentally as well. You know, if you're trying to gauge yourself so you don't feel like you're getting gas, then maybe you're not going as hard as you should, uh, not realizing that your job is on the line. But, yeah, I, I thought Bortles uh, looked good. You know, his drop back, you know, throws were crisp. But, you know, like we talked about a few weeks ago, you would expect a guy with his number of years under his belt now playing in this type of offense, he should be pretty productive. Should be, but we also have memories of Blake Bortles in a Jaguars uniform. Exactly. I would say those. Are, if you're a Jaguars fan, those aren't memories; those are nightmares. That's just you know many games. But you also had you know some great performances. I think can get forgotten easily. So what are the fixes? I'm interested in seeing how he continues to work in this preseason in this offense. And hopefully he really is a viable number two in case knock on wood, something, whatever happened to, I won't even say the name. <laughs> I won't even say the name. Other things I saw, and I'll just name a couple, then I'll, I'll cut back over to you. Kadero Hodge. I really like this route running in this game. Did have a pretty big drop in the first quarter. I, I, Bothers me a lot when we see players dropping passes in open coverage. Um, sorry, in the open field. But his route running was crisp. Mike Thomas had a nice catch as well. So receivers-wise, at the 5-6 slot, I'm still kind of wondering who's going to win out and make the team there. Drops overall from that receiver core. That can't happen if you're going to make it in the NFL. And if I'm the Rams, I'm having a lot of thoughts as they begin evaluating who makes this team and who's gone. You know, every situation in the preseason is evaluated from practice reps. I mean, they're keeping stats on those in practice. They're keeping those not so much maybe in warm-up. But if they just see you drop and drop and drop, they're going to say, hey, son, 
we need to get that fixed. But when the game, you know, because everything is evaluated, because, again, they're looking to see who's going to make the team, who's going to not make the team. And sometimes for certain guys, the pressure of trying to perform, knowing that everything is evaluated, can be a little bit overwhelming. So on the defensive side, I'm going to kind of bounce back and forth as I, I took notes. It's going to be a little, little bit out of order if you're listening there is a method to the madness. I basically wrote down my observations as I watched the game. Seeing Dominique Hatfield get exposed hardcore in the secondary throughout the game was concerning to me if he wants to make the team. He's now in his third year. you got to be able to do that if you want to make this team. That pass interference was just awful. Darius Williams, though, and had a nice open field tackle on the edge. He had a really nice game overall. And Kevin Peterson, displaying, again, the nose for the football. He jumped around interception. Did have a bad penalty on special teams, but there were a lot of bad penalties yesterday. Remember, Kevin Peterson was a guy who picked off Garoppolo twice in Week 17 and 2017. And then he had his big injury in the following preseason. He's always a guy that I, I found intriguing because he is a ball hawk. He happens to be there in the field. And I would not be surprised if we see him surpass a guy like Hatfield just based on his nose for the football and, and his instincts on where to go. Yeah, and, and absolutely, you're correct. I mean, you got to look at, you know, defensively, the moniker is get the ball back. And so whether it's stripping a guy, whether it's hitting a guy hard enough that he fumbles or being able to do like Peterson was doing, anticipating a route and jumping it. I mean, that was a heck of a play, a heck of a read. But that's someone who's played the game, someone who studies the game, because it literally looks like he's coming off of his guy uh, and he makes a play on an inside receiver coming from an outside. He reminds me a lot of a guy I play with named Leroy Irvin. And I would often ask him, like, Leroy, you know, we called him Easy Lee. I go, Easy Lee, how did you know? He go, come on, Stu. You know, I play this game. I watch a lot of film. And so you have these guys <laughs> who just truly have a knack to get the ball and anticipate where it's going and make a play. And a guy like that stands out because the way he did it was looks so effortlessly. And so now coming off that injury, obviously he's hungry, but he showed these kind of uh, glimpses of ex- excellence last year. So you team him up in the secondary that's technically coming back, but a guy who makes play, he'll start pushing for that starting position. That's why I really like him as a guy to keep an eye on somebody who with the instincts to make a play to get in there. You're right. He's clear. He watches film and sometimes just that work ethic will win you a roster spot than over pure talent. The NFL is rosters of 53 men and a large portion of those 53 men are guys who will never be stars. Let's just be honest about that. They will never be stars. They'll make some money. Some, and some a lot more than others. But when it comes down to making a roster, being that 50th guy, the 48th guy, the 47th guy, it's going to be the little things that give them an edge, like getting in the film room, knowing the game, knowing the opponent, the little things, the work ethic on the field. And that's, like you're saying, I really can see that in a player like Kevin Peterson. A guy, by the way, who's coming off an ACL injury. I mean, that's serious stuff right there. Oh, absolutely. But this goes to show, you know, a guy's hard work, his determination, and again, his ability to say, I'm back out on this field. 
I'm going to show up when my number's called. And again, those are the things that get you on a roster, keep you on a roster, get you in a game. And then you just never know what happens. You'll have a guy who has been on a team and the next thing you know, he's an all pro. Mm -hmm. And so you're always looking for and and teams are always looking for it. I know the Rams and Wade is always looking for if you look at the Wade Phillips's defenses, he's always had playmakers at the corner position, always and in the secondary. And so this is a guy, you know, and they talk about that stuff in meetings a guy who can just get around the ball and make a play. And sometimes, again, we don't know what the defense is, and we don't know if, you know, they're yelling at him like, hey, Pete, good thing you got that pick because your guy's now wide open if he did double clutch and throw it to him. I mean, you know, I don't know. But bottom line is everybody looks at the result, and if interceptions turn into, you know, key takeaways at a crucial time, great. Key interception turns into a takeaway that sets up points, great. They're going to let some of that slide if you have more of those than more of the times that you're making errors and getting burnt. Yeah, and so to me, all that tells me is watch. I'm not saying, by the way, he had a perfect game. The The Raiders are able to move the ball quite well through the air through much of it. But a lot of times that, especially when it comes to a Wayfield's defense, that ball hawk will take priority. So don't be surprised if, if we continue to see players like Kevin Peterson make this roster. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the roster at all. Offensive line. Notes I have, Jamil Demby did have a really bad, I mean bad, holding penalty on a screenplay early in the game. In that screenplay, he held his he held his guy, and the guy still beat him, by the way. Really failed to protect on that play. Did have some nice run blocking later on on a, I, I want to say it was an off-tackle kind of sweep for um, Daryl Henderson, who got a nice gain on it. In that same play, David Edwards. So those guys overall, I thought, did very well, especially in specific play situations, pooling, and where they were where they were forced to pool. I would like to see more of Demby. He made some mistakes today. I kind of want to see his development a little more. He's a second-year guy. He's bounced around a little bit from the Rams. The Lions had him a bit. He got back to the Rams. The big thing for him was strength in his draft, how strong he is. The Rams liked them. They liked them enough to bring them back. I just want to see more of him this preseason to kind of get an idea of can he develop into something more. Well, I think that's the great thing about actually getting the preseason going because now we'll start to settle in, and now we get into the second game. They've evaluated this one, and then they'll make some adjustments and see if a guy needs to go longer, needs to go less, You know, if they may need to switch a position. And so they'll talk about all that stuff this week and hopefully clean up some of those things. But, you know, as we talked about a little earlier, uh, the run blocking will be a little bit better than the pass blocking at this stage of the game just because of the way camps are structured now. So you hope to see better effort next week and improvement each week until the season starts uh, or there's going to be some big questions and then you find out a guy that, you thought was going to make a team doesn't because the improvement doesn't come quick enough. Well, I would want to point out too, on the other side of the line, Bobby Evans got completely beaten by Arden key. I mean, beaten badly on a play that resulted in, well, I'm just going to say it was ugly, (laughs) just ugly. 
And he wanted that pretty much to me had a, a really bad game overall. Not your best start you want to have as a rookie. There were a lot of questions surrounding him in terms of where he'll play when they took him. There were questions on his draft report, but he's still an Oklahoma kid. He still was a kid who had to come in there after some previous great, great linemen, Orlando Brown Jr., for example, have gone through. So he might be a guy they hold on to and continue to develop over the season. Because right now, looking long, t- just looking what I saw t- yesterday and today was just I can't get the words out, man. It was it was pretty rough to watch him out there. It was rough. Well, what you're seeing, uh, DC, is simply a guy who just left college, you know. And so that's what's interesting because a lot of the rookies ended up starting, which is kind of like, wow, man, what would I have felt like actually starting? You know, the first freeze, you know, usually you're starting on special teams or playing on special teams, and then you get worked in after a couple series or a couple quarters. But to actually go and start up preseason, it doesn't matter. Man, that's a big jump from college. So I would imagine nerves and all kind of things are going on, let alone, you know, you got a veteran quarterback and maybe he's making more checks than a rookie quarterback. Rookie quarterback, he's just going to kind of stick to the play call. But if you're in there with Blake Bortles, he's able to, you know, obviously have a uh, better grasp of the offense and probably was making a lot more checks, and which changes the, li- the the line blocking. So, yeah, there's a lot that goes on, and that's what you're seeing, you know, an actual rookie. Yeah, I know, but I still he was going up against a young guy too. It's not like he was going up against a, a grizzled veteran. And just the way he made him look, he man, he made him look old and slow. Watching a few of those plays, and I I am really interested in seeing the challenge that comes because you're saying rookie, rookie. I get it. I mean, I'm not. I'm <laughs> I've been around the game long to know a rookie. I get it. What I'm saying overall though is if I'm that rookie. And I just got embarrassed out there. I'm coming back to practice come Monday, and I'm saying, "Listen, I'm no, I'm not where I need to be. Where do I need to be better?" So I want to see what he's doing from this point forward to fix the holes in his game. I want to see the evolution of Bobby Evans because he was, to me, when they drafted him, he was, he was a guy who was potentially going to be a starter down the line. I'm like. Am I wrong there? I mean, that's kind of what I would look towards, having an eye towards. You didn't take him as an Oklahoma guy, as a guy who's at tackle, by the way, to just sit there and not play. You went to get him to play. Oh, there's no doubt. But I love your your passion because what I know is I don't care what school you went to, you're playing in an NFL game for your first time, you're probably going to be nervous. And at the line position – where a lot of things are going on, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does next week yeah. because, as you noted, uh, he's going to look at that and go, wow, man, that was kind of kind of brutal. But now he's at least been through it one time. He should be a little more or a little less excited next week. Uh, and hopefully with this week of practice, he'll be able to settle down and – do do his job at a higher level come next week. Okay. A other quick notes here. Now we want to move along quickly here because there's actually a bigger discussion that we want to get through before the night's over. And uh, quick notes here. Running backs: John Kelly, Daryl Henderson. 
it's hard to really get a gauge. The running game was not good. They seemed fine. There just wasn't a whole lot of push up front, so I would expect to see some work going to the offensive line this week. And, uh, I mean, I've seen you shake your head there. But am I wrong? Is my assessment wrong, or am I on this? No, you're right on. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there wasn't much to They looked fine. They only had a couple of nice runs. I did like the effort John Kelly put in on special teams, by the way. Our boy Tommy Avance has been on the show talking about how John was not ready for those little things, and John showed he was ready yesterday. Brandon Allen, the quarterback behind Blake Bortles, who has been in the practice squad, has been, even in some cases, the second quarterback, did not look good yesterday. As a matter of fact, I would argue Wolford looked a lot better. Allen did not look confident, did not look like he really knew the playbook very well. It, you know, Had a fumble from the center, looking at fumbled snap again. It was him. It was not the center. It was there. The ball was there. So I have some questions on him. It may have just been a bad day. We'll see. Okay, really quick before we get into our final segment, we do have to, of course, give our shout-out to our sponsor who has been a supporter of ours now for really a couple of years. I can't believe that he's been with us for a while now. Jim Hawk. And most of us, we're practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Mike will tell you, you can just shove an IV in me and just want it straight to the veins. That's how addicted I am to Los Angeles Rams football. Well, if you want to learn more about Rams history... With a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood scene, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out a son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You have players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Razley Sirs, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in the story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. The paperback comes out in a little bit less than a month, September 6th. Folks, I read it cover to cover. All proceeds go to a great cause. I can tell you the book itself is wonderful. Great history. It's worth it. I'm telling you, it's worth it. If you like Rams history, it's a great read. Trust me, check it out. Hollywoodsteam Grit. Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. Okay, so I want to end the show with this. The overall question I have here, and this is really because I'm kind of poking at the few fans who were throwing a drama fit after the game. Drama. I mean, you can go on days of our lives or the young and the restless, whatever it is. This game even matter. He scored three points against the Raiders. It's a 14-3 loss. What can you really take from this game and hang your hat on? Yeah, I don't I don't know because I don't I don't really know what the the actual game plan was it just to play the young guys and see how they responded and then go okay, well next week we're going to actually be a little more serious about other things. Uh it it just was hard. It just looks like they were really the game plan was just to get those guys in there, see how they play in a a more live situation and see what what they do as a quote-unquote pro. Quote-unquote pro. Why did you say that, quote-unquote pro? Are you saying they're not really pros? <laughs> what no, that about? Because, no, it's just basically when you're coming into the professional environment, there's an adjustment period. So you're a pro by draft or the fact that you're on the team, but actual pro is what the results that you are getting as a player. So what they're looking for at the level 
NFL or really college or anything is improvement. So the good thing about a game like yesterday is they get to go back, look at the film, talk about mistakes, talk about, oh, he made some good plays over there, things that we don't know about. But they're going to look for improvement week in and week out. And those are the guys who will make the team. I look at it as, come on, guys. Last year, this team took it on the chin to Baltimore 33-7. In that same week they lost to Baltimore 33-7, they were, well, shall I say, dominant in training camp. Dominant. We had several reports this week of how good our stars looked in camp as well. Kind of a parallel. I'm not worried about this. 14-3 loss. None of your starters played. A couple of your guys who are starters but are essentially rookies, that being Allen and Nopum didn't play. I'm not worried about this. I'm not at all. And the reason I'm not worried about it is because they've already shown they can overcome a little bit of adversity. I'm nervous. You, I, I'm nervous about that Carolina game. But I'm not worried overall about the year based on a 14-3 loss in week one of the preseason where no starters played. They showed nothing in the playbooks. They did not, not, other than a standard blitz, they didn't do anything tricky out there. They didn't do anything unique. Their running plays were your basic runs, your passing plays. Again, nothing that would shock anybody, nothing that would be unique in itself. It was a, how do I say this? A blah, <laughs> a blah game plan that showed teams nothing. And I think that's what Sean McVay is trying to do. Show them nothing as to what's going on offensively. Well, there's no doubt because, uh, again, I know as a first-time high school head coach here in Bakersfield, California, our goal on the scrimmage is really just to see some different groups, see some guys against other guys, see if guys know how to get in a drop, does a guy know how to play his man coverage? Does he know how to wrap up on a tackle? Is a guy playing hard? We don't really talk about wins and losses at this point of the year, you know, until we really get into league, which is actually six games away. Uh, so, yeah, do we want to be 0-6 going into league play? No. But at the same time, the goal is to constant evaluate, improve, and be ready for when it's serious. So I would imagine Rams are doing the same thing. You know, I'm sure they got some some new twists and tricks uh, that they'll have for the league. They're trying to give away as little as much that other teams can scout them so that when they get ready for the season, you know, they're ready to go with the new changes, adjustments, and some new wrinkles that other teams can't prepare for. And that's all it is to me. Why would you go out there and show teams your best stuff or even your halfway best stuff now? Right. Why, why would you? You're going to yeah. show the standard stuff that people already know, and that's going to be the end of it. You're not going to get your veterans out there getting hurt. You're not going to risk your key players getting hurt. Basically, in today's day and age where you have a scrimmage to work your first team work in and not something that's televised for everybody to watch, I, there's no real reason now to put these guys out there. Unless you yeah, have true. a player evaluation to do, right? Unless you there's a specific true. evaluation you have. True, true. I mean, I you know I watched a little bit of the Jet Giant game. Sam Donald played one series. I mean, they went down and scored. Uh, then I saw Eli Manning in on the other side, but you know they're pretty much they know what those guys can do somewhat. Uh, but yeah, come game three and game four, if we're seeing some of the same stuff we're seeing that we saw. On Saturday, that will be pause for concern. But right now, it's way early. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, 
It's well, especially because those guys are your deaf players. So by game three or four, if those deaf players aren't getting your system at the basic level, yeah, it's freakout time. <laughs> it's, and then you might get right. worried. You might get worried. All right, folks, that's all I got tonight. A shorter podcast. We just want to get it out to you, talk about the game. And the shorter podcast actually is on purpose on my, on my side because I'm not worried about it. If there isn't a whole lot to evaluate last night. They lost. That was it. We'll move on. But there is reason to keep forward for the, in terms of week two, week three, week four, to see progression at the base level. Folks, if you are interested in sponsoring us for the 2019 season, email us at ranstop1945. Leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. Don't forget talking Halos if you like Angels baseball locally. I know. I keep hearing it. I won't forget you, Dodgers. We haven't forgot you. Maybe next season at this point because it's getting late, but we haven't forgot you. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me, Derek C. Paula, on Twitter at DC Paula. You can find Mike at 1Duke23. Don't forget Apple Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Our Heart Radio, all those places. For Mike and the entire Rams Talk staff, this is Derek C. Paula saying take it easy. It is time for us to roll on out of here. We're out. We're out. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.